I'm on a mission. A mission to speak with the most inspiring people from all over the world. I want to know their stories. I want to know what stories they used to tell. And are those the same stories that they're telling today? Or did they redefine that story to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their dreams? I want to help them share their stories. Why? Because I know the power of the story. I know that it can make or break you. It can give you the world or it can tear it apart. There's always two sides going down in your head and you get to choose. Will I listen to the one that's trying to stop me or the one that keeps pushing? These are their stories and this is the stories we tell. What's up guys, it's your host Jamie Messina and as always we have an amazing episode lined up for you this week. We have Lauren Smith, she is the host of the Date in Peace podcast, she's also an author. She wrote the Mindful Dating Journal, Find a Healthy Love That Lasts, among some other things and we have an amazing conversation about all things dating. But first, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, please go ahead and do that and if you find value in today's episode or any of the episodes that we share, um, I would really appreciate it. If you could go and leave us a five-star review, that helps me reach my goal of rippling out to at least a million people. Um, we have big goals over here. And um, yeah, I love today's episode, you know, um, on the dating journey myself. It was super valuable to chat with Lauren and I'm excited for y'all to hear. So let's just get to it. All right. I have with me Lauren Smith, who um, I recently was just on your podcast yeah what and so I'll let you tell everybody who you are and what you do before we get started yeah sure thank you for having me Jamie my name is Lauren Smith I'm an author and a speaker and I'm out on a mission to help people struggle less in dating and learn from all the mistakes that I made (laughs) (laughs) and I made (laughs) and we all made um so thank you for joining us first of all I was connected with you on social media which I've get I've gotten connected with so many amazing people just via the interwebs. It makes me so happy. Um, and my okay, so my friend, I was just telling you before we press record, my friend is here. I haven't seen her in seven years. Last time we saw each other, the only dating app that existed was like I think Tinder had like just come out, or like it, it was like uh, plenty of fish or something like that. And so she's like, "Can you show me how to do it? Can you, you know?" Because it's been a long time, and I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but yeah all of our dating mistakes involve dating apps always (laughs) yeah I mean she didn't even know so I had to show her because you know time fucking flies and a lot has changed so um what what inspired you to to do what you do Mm, heartache really I got dumped one too many times and I had to put my foot down Mm. and uh I am now 36 years old I came out as queer at age 33 and it was the last cis male that I dated that really pushed me over the edge. So (laughs) thank you to that guy. (laughs) So essentially what happened was it was like a really dramatic and painful breakup. And maybe I'll give you a little snippet of that story here. He actually broke up with me at Disney world. What? Yeah. The happiest place on earth. Well, well, technically it wasn't in the park, thank God. So I can save that little slice of magic. It was afterwards. So anyways, I had met this dude in Buenos Aires. At the time I was like, wow, this is a 
really romantic, you know, picture tall, dark and handsome. He had green eyes, of course, the sexiest accent. (laughs) And I was like, this is my ideal. Like, this is the kind of guy that I've been thinking is going to come along and sweep me off my feet. So I just was head over heels when I met him in Buenos Aires. We spent like a hot and heavy few days together. And then I had to come back to the States. And before I left and got on the plane, he and I made a plan that we were going to get back together in a month. We were going to meet up in a new country in Uruguay. And as the plane landed back in Philadelphia, I'm from New Jersey. I looked at my phone like, you know, you always check your phone right when the plan is landing, plane is landing. And I saw some emails from this guy. His name is Marco. And it was titled minus 29. And I was like, huh, what is this? So I opened it and it was like the sweetest, most romantic love poem. Mm -hmm. And he was counting down the days, like minus 29 days till we see each other again. So he sent me a poem or like the sweetest thing ever every day for the next 29 days. And I responded as well, equally cheesy poems. I sang him like terrible songs with my Spanish, which is really embarrassing. (laughs) And after the 30 days, we met up again and it was not the fantasy novel that we had been crafting. He was just a normal human being. He wasn't this knight in shining armor that I had pictured in my head. And instead of spending that month really getting to know each other, all we did was created a fake life. We created a fantasy future that was never going to come to pass. And you would think that when I arrived in Uruguay on day one of our like reunited future together, that I would have had the guts to be like, Lauren, you messed up girl. Like you got to go home. This isn't for you, but I didn't, I stayed because that fantasy, I needed it to be true Mm. more than I cared about suffering in the present moment. So that's where I went wrong. First of all. So I'm taking notes because um, we're going to talk about this in the after dark as well. Cause (laughs) you know what the after dark is, right? I'll tell you after that's the after our initial um, interview, we'll go over to after dark for the Patreon. Um, So if you see me looking down, that's why. So, um, okay. So you had this. So let me ask you this, because I've met somebody when I was away on a tropical island as well. Do you think there is some kind of aspect there where you're just in this space of like, oh my God, this is so romantic and exotic and whatever it is that you just forget about all the other things? Yeah, for sure. When we escape our routine like that, we kind of, I think at least for me, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I let go of the logical reasoning behind why I do those things every day. Like, yeah, I work a job every day because it gives me the abundance and freedom that I have every other day. But when you're on vacation, you're not thinking about those things. You're like, I just want to be happy now. I just want to live my life now. And that sometimes means following emotions, the feel good emotions over doing the logical things that sometimes don't feel good in the present moment, but that end up giving us some benefit in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, what I want to know what happened next. Like, so how do you get to Disney world? Did you have a few more trips in between or? Sure. So this guy, Marco, when I met him in Argentina, so this is before we really scripted our romance novel together via email He was telling me that he was going through a career transition. Mm -hmm. So he was leaving his current job and he was in in the midst of getting a new job as a game designer. And I was like, wow, this is so inspiring. Another person that really wants to pursue their passions like above all costs. 
And in my mind, I thought it was only really going to take him like a few weeks, maybe a month or so before he could get a new job fantasy again, right? The reality of the situation is when you're starting over entry level position, you have to start from scratch with all those skills. It's going to take a really long time. And uh, here was me walking into our reunited trip together in Uruguay. And I was like, it's okay. This guy is is my person. This is the one that I've been waiting for. We're going to be together forever. So it's okay if I just pay for him for a little while. Right. So yeah, it's, it's even worse because the American dollar is like so much has so much more value than the Argentinian peso. So like, I've probably felt like some like crazy rich white person taking care of him. And he never asked me for that. I just kind of swooped in and was like, I'm going to be your savior. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to love you so hard that you can be your best self. And it didn't really change. If anything, it kind of demotivated him and I'm just making an assumption here because I made it so comfortable for him there was no real rush so he was really just taking his time going through that quote career transition (laughs) yeah and after about three or four months of me paying for pretty much everything I paid for Airbnbs flights I bought him socks I paid for his haircuts like it's really out of hand yeah and one of the last trips that we did was I took us on a beautiful trip to Miami. And after Miami, we were going to meet up with my family in Disney World. Yeah. So at this point, tensions were so high and I was feeling so resentful because this was before I had a a lot of the skills that I have today. I wouldn't speak up when I felt like a boundary was crossed. I didn't really understand boundaries at all, honestly. And I was just expecting him to know what I wanted. Mm. Like, oh, I want you to get a job or I want you to send out 10 applications today. And it started to get to the point where I was getting really bossy and controlling and he was getting resentful. So our situation just went from bad to worse to toxic, really. Mm. And by the time my mom and my sister arrived in Orlando, I was pretty much at wit's end. And I was so excited to have somebody else to talk to and to kind of low-key ignore him. Well, it was it was pretty uh, overt ignoring that I was doing. So I want to also ex- uh, accept some responsibility for how everything went down in Disney World that day. But essentially, me and my mom were, and my sister were drinking at every country in Epcot, and Marco was being grumpy. That's, <laughs> that's my version of the story, okay? I'm sticking to it. And all day... He was, you know, not having a good time. And I realized it. Like I said, I know I wasn't really giving him a lot of attention that day. So I was like, Marco, if you're having like not a great time, why don't you take one of the ferries and just go back to the hotel? We'll meet you there later. You know, eventually he did do that. And me and my mom closed down the park and my sister, you know, we stayed till the fireworks living our best lives. By the time we get back to the hotel, I go to my room and my mom and my sister go to their room. And I opened the door and I was like, wow, it's really clean in here. Marco must have just gotten like really bored and cleaned up. Good for him. Finally taking charge of shit. And I inspected further to realize that it wasn't that he cleaned. It was that he picked up all of his stuff and left. There was no sign of him. And in that moment, I just like froze and I couldn't even be in the room anymore. So I went down the hall to my mom and my sister's room. 
And I opened the door and they didn't even need to say anything to me. They kind of saw it on my face. And I walked in and I was just like, what is wrong with me? Why does this keep happening to me? Because it wasn't the first time that I felt like I was abandoned by someone after trying so incredibly hard to give them what I thought they needed. Mm -hmm. But what I was really doing was betraying both me and Marco. Neither of us were getting what we needed. And it was in that moment of like, shit, it's me, that I realized that I needed to take a serious reevaluation of how I was showing up in the dating world. And if I didn't, yeah, that was going to keep happening. And I didn't want it to happen ever again. Right. Wait, so did you end up talking or did he just go and you never talked again? You know, the most frustrating thing is that he uh, couldn't get a flight out like right away. So apparently he was waiting in the hotel lobby for like hours with his suitcase. And when I came back, I was like texting him being like, what? what, what happened? Where are you? Let's talk about this. And I ended up going down to talk to him in the hotel lobby. And it was like so dramatic. And I I just was all worked up. You know, at the time, I didn't really have the ability to, to regulate my own emotions. So I was freaking angry. Yeah. It did not end well. But I, you know, whatever it happens, I got what I needed to say out at the time. And we didn't talk for probably over a year. And then we had like a nice little closure chat over Zoom. But that uh, was it. Wow. That's intense. So let's let let me just oh there's a lot of things I want to ask you about this because I think so many people find themselves in the same situation where they're repeating cycles and they're like, why do I keep attracting this person or that person? And really like it's like Taylor Swift, hey, it's me on the problem, you know? Yeah. Um <laughs> but uh what was I going with that? Oh, him in the lobby. All right. Fuck, I wanted to, <laughs> I just lost it. So many people, I, I mean, I know when I in the past have attracted the same situation over and over and I wanted to point outward. Um, so it wasn't just the day at Disney that that came about, right? It's not like, oh, he was mad we're ignoring him or, you know, it was a lot that built up to that, right? Yeah, for sure. I've been in many relationships beforehand where I showed up as that people pleaser, the savior, and it, it didn't end well. Like mm -hmm. it, it didn't, it never got me the results that I was hoping for. And eventually it was truly just turned into self-sabotage, which was even more frustrating because I already didn't feel worthy of him of, or of his love because he left me. But then I also felt unworthy because I'm like, I, I feel shame because I know I'm doing something wrong. It was just a vicious cycle where after every breakup, it felt like, yes, the same wound was opening again, but it was getting deeper and deeper. Yeah. And that can be tough to take a look within, you know, because obviously if we're attracting the same situation over and over, it's most likely is us. <laughs> and not even like, I'm not saying there's never a hundred percent like, oh, it's you or me or whatever, but there's some reason why we're attracting that situation. And in your case, you know, I hear people pleaser. Um, I, and I've. I feel that because in the past have been the same way. And I'm like, I don't get it. I do all the things. Like I check off all the boxes. I'm this, I'm that. I'm around. And it's like, mm, take a step back for a second. Take a deep breath. Maybe that's the thing. Like you're not actually listening and hearing and being in this relationship with this person. And you're so fixated on being the things you think you're supposed to be. Yeah. 
and it all goes back to to my childhood honestly that was that was it the all does. that I found myself in when I was uh this was at the beginning of the quarantine actually like we had gone to Disney World and then like two months later COVID hit mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. so I was like I guess I'll just make the use of this time and like really dig deep here and that's what I found in all the research is that the way that I was loved growing up the way that I felt love, the way that I thought that I had to be in order to earn love. These ideas and beliefs are now what's transferring into my adult relationships. And, and that's, that's the thing for everybody. I mean, same thing for me, like I've, I did a lot of, so I went through a breakup during COVID as well. Um, so, and obviously what a, I don't know if it's a g- amazing time or a horrible time to go through a breakup because it's like, you can't distract yourself with like going out and stuff, at least where I lived there, you know, I didn't live in Florida yet. So nobody was out and about, like, we didn't even leave the house to like go out into the road. Um, and so it was like, oh, we get to sit here with our pain and really, but it always comes back to childhood. I mean, most things in how we show up until we address them and heal them um, is that for me, I used to always show up wanting to serve you know, my love language is acts of service. And I'm like, when I really thought about it, I'm like, no, that's not my love language, but that is how I think that I earn. And the only way that I can receive and deserve love is if I am serve, 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 serving so much so that I can't enjoy and actually be present and connect, (laughs) you know? Yeah, for sure. I actually have like a little bit of a resentment to people that show love with acts of service because I low-key hate that I have to do that because <laughs> like it's not that I have to and this is a terrible language choice either it's just that when I was a kid my mom uh, relied on me a lot to help out around the house I was the oldest of two younger sisters so I was kind of the default babysitter I helped with cooking cleaning I really just helped to keep a smile on my mom's face And sometimes I enjoyed it. Like sometimes I felt really great that I could help out in that way. But most of the time I was like, oh, I have to do this thing again or else, you know, Mm -hmm. and it became a really toxic relationship with my mom. So part of the process of getting through the barricades that I was creating for myself as an adult to try to find a healthy relationship was recognizing that I don't actually have to do that in order to be loved. That was just what my mom needed at the time. But I don't have to believe it anymore. Is it's funny. Our brains are so funny. Uh, you know, I'm just obsessed with the brain. Like, and it's just in figuring out how to hack it. And the biggest release or exciting thing for me was when I realized that, like, oh, you mean this isn't like my brain isn't the be all end all. Like, I don't have to actually do what it's saying or believe what it's saying, or like I can actually challenge it and change it. And so how it sounds like you did that as well for yourself challenge and change your own brain. So what, where did you go after, or mentally, where did you go as you were healing? How did you make that transition? And you said he was the last man or dude that, okay. So also share that part. (laughs) Sure. So I remember feeling really scared because I knew I finally recognized that it, that it was something that I was doing, but I was scared shitless because I didn't know what it was. So I, therefore I couldn't feel confident that I wasn't going to keep doing it. Mm. So I basically just became dormant. I just did a lot of thinking. I didn't do take any actions. And I went into like assessment mode, just like really viewing every past relationship, trying to dig into the emotions that were around certain things, listening for those thoughts and challenging them. 
And what ended up coming up for me was the fact that for the past four years, I had been swiping on both men and women, but I never actually went out on a date with a woman. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go and see what this is about. You know, I'm going to explore this curiosity and actually date the people that I message for weeks. Sorry to all the women that I never (laughs) actually, because I hate when people do that to me, but so I, yeah, I did. I finally did go out with a woman. Her name was Mila. She was like tiny little thing, like five feet tall, so spunky. And immediately upon meeting her, I was like, wow, I finally did it. Like, this is a person, this is going to be different now. New gender, new me. Like all my (laughs) patterns in the past are just like, they're not going to come up anymore. Right. But sadly that wasn't true. I of course felt so much more attraction towards Mila because I was more aligned, like bringing my true sexual desires into the picture for a change, not just thinking, oh, this is, this is the kind of guy I should want. No, I was like, this is the girl that I want right now. (laughs) And that actually muddied the waters even more because like we were saying, like when you went to Costa Rica and you were feeling like, so, so excited to feel good and things are just magic when you're feeling good, right? Mm -hmm. That it's hard to maintain the longer term picture of like, if it feels good now, great, but will it feel good later? And that's something that I did not ask myself when I was with Mila, essentially just followed the fun until the fun became toxic. And then I was left yet again with, well, I mean, it was similar, but like the patterns were still coming up but it was a little bit different from my situation with Marco. So as a result of putting those two lessons together, I realized that on the one hand, yes, it's very important that we recognize that we have patterns, that we see that we have the ability to change them. But the second part of it is recognizing that we're not gonna be able to do that in the snap of our fingers, that it's about building a habit of awareness. And that's when I decided to create a form, a legit spreadsheet, that I would fill out after coming home from a date to make sure that I was staying on top of all of these things because it's a lot to manage. It's so easy to go back to our default of what we've always done. And that's probably not healthy or not going to get you what you want. So I was like, I need to check in to make sure I'm not going to make those mistakes anymore and to choose the things that are really in alignment with what's going to be good for me long-term, not just what feels good right now. Yeah. Um, so is that form something you share with people? Oh yeah. I, well, I use the form like, oh God, a dozen times. And it really, as an anxious person, as an anxious dater, it brought me so much more peace because I could say I did the best I could to catch all these things. And I started to really like notice patterns about what I truly wanted from a date, what I thought was important versus what was actually fulfilling a need. And it just felt like I I found a gem. Like I just like struck gold with this form. And I was like, I need to share this with people. So I ended up contacting a therapist who lived across the country. And we spent the rest of the quarantine, like, a you know, that moment where we were all still like sort of in quarantine, but the world was starting to open up again. We spent that time working back and forth to turn this form into a book. It's called the mindful dating journal. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to work for everyone, not just for me. I love that. Um, so back to Mila, <laughs> would you, would you say that, I don't know if this is just Americans, but that we 
unless we work on this part or many people have a false sense on what love and relationships should look like because of the media that we watched growing up. Like, it's like, oh, you have this little bit of a struggle and then you get through it and then you're happily ever after and you never have an argument. You never have to, um, you know, meet halfway. Like, and if it's not that way, then you just have to end it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I I think I almost have both sides of that, like the beliefs for both sides of that. Because on the one hand, yeah, I'm expecting things to be perfect and easy when I find, quote, the one. Right. But then on the other hand of it, there's a part of me that is willing to sacrifice everything so that the other person can feel that way. How do you how do you feel about that now? Do you think that's a good thing? Oh, what? No, because when I see that behavior coming up for me, it's like my own internal alarm system goes up because that is, in my opinion, my toxic behavior. When I am over giving or over helping, it could be for many reasons, but for the most part, it's typically because I'm like low key trying to manipulate them to stay because I'm feeling anxious about the secure attachment or like the level of attachment, or it's because I feel like I'm not good enough if I just be myself. And that's taking me farther away from what I actually want. What we all want perhaps is for someone to love us for who we are authentically, our most raw selves. We just want to be able to show up and be seen and be loved and feel safe to be that authentic self. But because I didn't believe that I was worthy of that, I wasn't showing that because I thought people wouldn't love it. And again, this is because of that little tiny, little baby Lauren that was wounded when she was like three years old and didn't understand. But adult Lauren knows that I am so worthy. I don't have to do anything to earn it or prove it. And if the person that comes into my life doesn't see that value, then they're not my person. Yeah. And so how do, how do you get there? Cause I know a lot of people that I work with and coach, they're in the space of like, you know, I don't, I don't know why I, I keep attracting the same situation or people keep leaving me or, and I can see very clearly, like, oh man, like, and by the way, I'm, I also saw this clearly within myself. It's like so fixated on why people are leaving us instead of looking within and being like, do I love who I am? Am I confident in who I am? Am I happy with who I am? And if they leave me, that's okay because I'm happy with who I am. But like, before you get there, it's like, oh my God, why are they leaving me? What did I do wrong? Am I ever going to find somebody? Am I going to be weird? You know, am I weird forever? Like, what do you say to people that are in that spot? Just a reminder that a lot of us are probably feeling that that's the first thing that I would say is you're not alone. And secondly, that again, this is another thing that's not going to change overnight, that it's really about a practice and a habit of really shifting the way that you're reacting to things when they come up for you in your life. And the tool that I used was mindfulness. And I know people are like, oh, mindfulness, great. Like I hear about this all the time, like whatever. Mindfulness, though, to me is so much more than the definition that I think most people have in their heads. The main characteristic that I love to carry through with mindfulness is this idea of just accepting without judgment. Mm. So we notice things, yes, we are aware of things, yes, but we're not going to have a comment on it. It's not wrong, it's not bad. We don't want to change it, we don't want to criticize it. We're just like, I am seeing it for what it is. And the reason why this is so healing when it comes to letting go of shame or conquering anxiety is that 
you're just allowing the anxiety to be with you. You're not trying to get rid of it. You're not trying to judge it. You're not trying to change it. You're just like, oh, I feel anxious. I feel shame. That's fine. I'm going to let it be there. There's a duality that can exist. I can feel anxious and I can feel worthy. I can feel shame and I can feel confident and just allow all parts of you to exist. So in yours, like growth and into, you know, dating coaching and and stuff like that. Um, Do you study or do you, where are you at with people who are really just going through it with a breakup? Sure. Well, first of all, I am not a dating coach. Actually, I originally did look into it for a little while, but my heart was not aligned there. Mm. I really want to just make tools to help people to establish the habits that they need. So you can expect some more books from me. Uh, But for now, I'm really just, like I said, on a mission to, to get out here and to just tell people that they have everything that they need to change, just to be a little bit more patient and to work on that daily practice. So let me ask you this question then. Obviously that's very like for you to, to do the things that you do, like really it's out of a place of like, wow, I'm, I'm aligned with this and really feel passionate about it. Um, especially like if it's not part of your career, right? I mean, it is like you're an author and stuff like that, but, um, I mean, and one might argue that you are kind of coaching, sharing like your tools and books and stuff. (laughs) Um, so what, well, you can answer the other question first if you want about the breakup. Because I think people are probably like, no, Jamie, I wanted to hear. <laughs> oh, remember? wait, remind me what it was. I already because forget. In a in the breakup, like how do you, where people are at really going through it with the breakup, um, what do you suggest for them where they're at? And they're mm. really just hammering in on themselves. Because, you know, when one of the things that your, our brain does in a breakup, our brain always, it doesn't like unanswered questions. So like you will just rack your brain on what if I did this different? What if I did that different? And your brain just goes, goes, goes all night. Like I was sitting here with my friend the other day and she's like, I can't sleep at night. I just think about all the things, you know? And I'm like, I get that. That's your brain doing its job, but we have to check it. So what do you tell people in that, in that space? Sure. Well, I would say start with the basics of coming back to your body, coming back to noticing if you are feeling things or if thoughts are coming up in your head. How is that presenting itself in your body? And I think, you know, there's probably a lot of different things that I could talk about here for why this is important. But the one that's coming up for me is that when you're thinking about those thoughts of, oh, I should have done this differently, or maybe I'll never find someone again in the future. Those aren't present focused thoughts. Those are probably focused on the past or the future. So when you can say, how is this presenting itself in my physical body right now? you're sort of disconnecting your brain from focusing on something outside of the present moment. And like I said, it's a practice. This isn't going to be, you know, you might sit there in your bed trying to fall asleep being like, God damn it. Why does this keep happening to me? It's, you know, going in your little anxiety spiral. Let me just focus on how anger is showing up in my body. And you're expecting that to solve your and be healed instantly. (laughs) No, (laughs) sorry. I wish that that was true. But what's going to happen, though, is that when you consistently interrupt the way that your brain is is processing that information, it's like it's like a neural pathway. You're training your brain to interrupt it so that in time you can realize that you do have a certain amount of control over where your brain goes when you can notice it. 
and that there are tools noticing physical body sensations is one breath breath work is another one there's mm-hmm. plenty of others but that you can learn that there are techniques to bring your intention in the direction that you choose and you can feel a little bit more control over your brain and hopefully get more sleep at night yeah yeah and also be kind to yourself i think like yeah i i, I feel like i go through it with a breakup like i'm kind of like or at least in the past, I've definitely, um, and that has led me to do a lot of work like you, like you did. Um, okay. So let's do a little shift here. So Mila was the first girl. Um, how's it going? Is it, do you find that there are differences in dating women compared to dating men or based on your own patterns until you disrupted your own pattern? Was it really just the same thing in a different, you know, gender? Well, one of the most weird things is that when I first came out, I was like, oh, I'm bi. You know, I I like both men and women. And then as I dated more and more women, I started to realize, I don't really know if I, if I find men attractive after all. And I started to dig into it more and I really unearthed some, like some emotions of disgust around men, which I never allowed myself to fully feel back when I was dating them. So that physical aspect of it is something that was really surprising. And it still kind of surprises me uh, how much I love women. (laughs) (laughs) But as far as how I show up like emotionally and uh, the level of safety that I feel with women. And I, I, and I wonder if that sense of safety and security also comes from the, the way that I feel a, a more ease of communication. Like I feel that when I speak that women, understand me a little bit more, or at least I have an easier time delivering what it is I'm trying to say to women, or at least the women that I've met. And with men felt a little bit of a struggle. And perhaps there's some of that society's beliefs stuck around a belief in my brain that was stopping me from properly communicating with men. Who knows? This is still research I'm actively uh, investigating. But all in all, yeah, I do feel like it's easier for me to be myself. It's easier for me to be authentic and to feel safe to be authentic. And I generally enjoy myself a lot more. With <laughs> nice. So how's it going now? Like what are, what are some major shifts or maybe some, as you made that transition, because a lot of my listeners might either have not made that transition from men to women yet, but are thinking about it, or um, maybe they're at the beginning stages or they're still kind of like nervous about dating women because it's something new for them. What do you say to them? Oh, I love this. This is one of my big goals as well. I'm really on a mission to also help people like that to, to say, just like I did, that it's okay to explore that curiosity. I would say to, again, sorry, everything that I always want to recommend is mindfulness because it's really how I view my life. And I would say, come back to mindful awareness of what's going on in your heart, in your body. Like physically, when you get turned on, notice it's going through your head. What are your desires? What what are you thinking about? When you're swiping, notice the thoughts, the emotions, the physical sensations. Again, it's like really just getting to understand yourself in, in the present moment in a way that you've never really let yourself do that before because people told you you had to do something else. Or because in the past you got in trouble when you expressed who you were. Fuck all that. Mm. Come back to the present moment. You don't even have to tell anybody. 
just start noticing it for yourself. Who are you right now? Who are you? It's, it's a big question. Yeah. And I know so many people are just at at a different stage in their journey than we are right now, but I guess know that when you do the work and you keep showing up for yourself and digging in and being mindful, I think mindful is so important because if you're not mindful, you are, you know, your brain's at all over the place. You're thinking ahead. You're thinking like, like you said, and you're not able to be in the moment and really feel and experience and see what might actually be causing you to do one thing or another, you know? Um, I think, do you think that people kind of don't want to be mindful because then they have to kind of face reality? Yeah. I, I mean, all we're ever trying to do, I think is to feel safe and we want to be happy. We want to create something for ourselves that we're going to enjoy later. But the thing that I think humans are getting a little off track is, and I certainly was one of them and still am, is that we think that we can control what's going to come in the future. Mm -hmm. But the only thing we have control over is our intentions and how that intention goes out into the world in the moment when we have it. Yeah. Our, our intentions yeah we can't so I I said this on my last podcast too it's when I the way I think of when we think we can control things you know because obviously the universe is like yeah no it's either we take the long road or the short road um but it's like dolls in a dollhouse and I imagine like a little kid playing with the dollhouse and there's all these little people in the dollhouse and it's like and then you know say there's this little doll and, and the kid leaves him in the attic and then goes to bed and while the kid's in bed the doll's like I wanted to be in the kitchen and like crawls its little doll ass down to the kitchen. Right. And then the little girl wakes up or little boy that wakes up and comes back to his dollhouse and they're all, well, why are you down here? Picks them from the kitchen, puts them back in the attic. I feel like the universe is the little kid playing with the dollhouse and we are the dolls thinking we can like crawl to the kitchen when really the universe is like, yeah, no, that's, that's not what I had in store for you. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. For sure. That was also a little creepy. I don't like the idea of dolls moving around while I'm sleeping, but yeah. <laughs> I love horror shit and stuff. So I should make a video on, I should make a movie on <laughs> your dolls are alive and they move at night. And then, yeah, that is creepy. That's funny. Yeah, um, I, I had this metaphor actually last night about how we're all like ripples, right? If, if you say you want love and you want to find a partner that feels safe, that's an, that's an intention. That's a desire that you have in the present moment. And that desire or intention can express itself in many different ways. You could take an action. You could have a thought, you could have an emotion, whatever it is. Mindfulness is about becoming aware of that moment when you're sending your desire out into the world. Once that desire leaves your body with however you decided that it manifested, whether consciously or not, it makes a ripple. Like, you know, like you're like touching your toe in the pond of the world. And that ripple, once it leaves, your toe is gone. You can't do anything about it. It is out of your control. And that's the hardest part for me as an anxious dater is to learn to let go and to trust that when that ripple goes out, it's going to pass a lot of things. But when it passes the person that is for me or persons, then they're going to notice it. They're going to be like, oh, I like that. Let me, let me find the source of that ripple. I don't need to be the person out there riding that ripple on some jank surfboard, trying to keep myself above ground, waiting to see where that ripple is going to play out. No, 
hyper-focusing on how the world receives me is not Mm -hmm. helping me because I am now no longer in the center of that pond putting out my next ripple. And that's what we're here to do. We have these authentic energies, authentic gifts. You are not like anybody else in the world. And we need to be constantly putting out more into the world. Like if you want to manifest big change in your life, yeah, definitely do that. If you want to manifest love, you got to keep putting that desire out over and over and over again. If you're hyper-focusing on how people are perceiving your desires, that's a gap. And you're, you're losing that chance to further refine what you want. Um, so I have a couple of questions, but you said something like, whatever you just said sparked this thought. I have a mentor who talks about how we're all, you're like, you're a miracle. The fact that this one sperm beat out like millions of other sperms to get to your mom's egg and like created you is legit like that's like a miracle in itself and just to remember that but are you is your attachment style um anxious anxious attachment yeah yeah it depends though because if i am with someone who is a a more anxious person than me i turn avoidant but i also want to give myself credit that every time i'm in a relationship now i do find that i'm more and more and more secure Mm -hmm. to the point where i catch myself if i'm getting to the point where I feel like I want to do a behavior that feels like it's influenced by a anxious or avoidant attachment style. But if I am going to f- fall back, it'll probably be the anxious triggers. We're very similar in that sense. Um, I've also like former anxious attachment, but it can creep back. It's ugly head in depending on the situation. <laughs> um, all right. So before mm-hmm. we go over to the after dark, I have a question that I ask usually everybody at the end of the um, podcast, which is when you think of your childhood self, is there like a, an age? If I'm like, think of your childhood self, what's the first age that comes up? Mm, three, probably. Three. So if you could go back and talk to three-year-old you um, and give, I guess, some advice, but not like, hey, don't do this, but do this, but just overall life advice that you think will be very beneficial for them. Um, what would you say? Mm. You can only make yourself happy. You can be conscious of the needs of other people, but if I'm not happy, then there's no need acting with the happiness of others. Right. I love that. Um, all right. Well, I'm excited to hear more about I guess Marco and and your other like see where you're at dating, but we'll talk about that in the after dark. So, is there anything that you want to share before we head over there for for the listeners? Or how do they find? Uh, well, I want to tell me how they find your book, how they find sure. your podcast, all the things. Sure, thanks. Yeah, you can find the Mindful Dating Journal: How to Find a Healthy Love That Lasts on Amazon, or come and check me out on my podcast. I am the host of the Date and Peace podcast. And you can catch Jamie's episode too. It just launched this week. Yeah. I just shared it in our, in our club Lily's group yesterday. So hopefully some of them are already over there checking out the episodes. I think it's super helpful. There's a lot of people who are just where, you know, where we are at when it comes to dating, it's confusing. It's, there's a lot. And so easily based on old triggers, you can go back and really just beat yourself up about it when really maybe we put a little mindfulness in there and it changes the game up. Um, Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. 
That was Lauren Smith from the Date in Peace podcast. I loved that conversation. I know that you probably did too. So if you want to follow along with Lauren, please check the show notes. I will put all the information there so that you can follow along with her on social media and her websites and and all the things. So you can actually listen to her, her most recent episode of the podcast. I'm actually on her podcast as well. And we have a really cool conversation over there. Um, But yeah, we will be back soon with some more information. Oh, by the way, if you want to hear us over on the After Dark, um, Lauren and I continued our conversation over there. That will also be in the show notes, in the description. You can find the link to join us there. Um, And we have some really amazing episodes coming up, some awesome guests as well. So until next time.